Hallelujah. Lord, just like we've sung, we truly, truly do thank you today for being the light in our world, for stepping down <laughs> into our darkness where we were. You found us in our sin and in our shame. But you didn't despise what you found and the awful condition we were in. But as light of the world, in all of our darkness, you embraced us with loving arms, accepted us. And oh, what you've done in our lives, it's too much to recount. It really is. It is too much to recall. There's been so much mercy, so much grace, so much unconditional love and pardon and forgiveness. The newness of life that we have in you just causes us to rejoice in the present and look with great abounding hope into a wonderful future even beyond this world, a future spent with you in eternity where we will join with the angels and the countless saints of old to give you praise, to give you honor in an unending song, oh, that applauds you and thanks you and praises you. We don't know what's ahead in, in that place where you are, but Lord, we know that you've gone to prepare a place for us there. Oh, a mansion, a house, so that we can live with you forevermore. God, you're amazing. Jesus, you are incredible. And it's all because, light of the world, you stepped down into our darkness. We were helpless. We were hopeless. We couldn't do anything with our lives and why you chose us. We can never work that out, but you did. Oh, Lord, we thank you for one another today. We thank you for the church that you're building. It's a glorious church. It might have been down on its knees for a little bit for the last couple of years because of this, this pandemic and this virus. But thank you. Thank you. Being on our knees is a good place. It always works out. Always works out in you. And we thank you that as we look at your church, your body and bride, we don't criticize it. Lord, we're a part of it. We celebrate it. We celebrate the church. We thank you for the church that you're building. And as we look over this world, we're hearing great reports. And over this country, we're hearing great reports of this beautiful bride getting up off her knees, standing to her feet. You're doing a wonderful thing in your church. It's a glorious, glorious bride that you're preparing to meet you. We thank you for it. Truly, truly do. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your body, your body of which you are the head. We thank you for it. And all God's people said, 
Fantastic. I tell you what, these guys have been such a blessing to us this morning. Let's thank Jesus for our musicians. Hallelujah. Well, Faye wishes she could be with us this morning, but she hasn't been too well. She's been feeling weak in her body, so um, she's resting up today. She'd value your prayers. And I'm sure anybody else that's not able to be with us this morning, let's keep them in prayer. You know, gradually people are coming back. It's so exciting and it's wonderful. But, but um, you know, others are just coming back slowly and it's, it's not easy. I tell you now, and we, we know this as a, as a leadership, just over the last two years alone, many, many people's work patterns have changed dr- drastically. They're having to work Sundays and sometimes they're only able to come once a month and sometimes only twice a month. They want to be here every week. Let's keep our brothers and sisters in prayer who, you know, who have to work over the weekends. Let's, let's encourage them. Send them a text, you know, and just be a blessing to them and, and others through ill health. Let's be that body. You know, Paul said, when one suffers, we all suffer. If there's somebody that you know, part of this house, they're suffering. Well, we suffer with them, don't we? We want, we want them to be here. Let's encourage them. Let's be a blessing to them. And however long, it doesn't matter, however long it takes them to get back to this place. It matters not, my friends. It matters not that our family, that our loved ones... They're part of this body, and we want to encourage them. So be that, be that blessing to them. Let's look out for each other. But it's great. It really is to be together this morning. Well, today, hopefully, we're going to finish this series of messages that we've been looking at, the power of promise, since January now. And over the last two weeks, we've been looking at our last point, a, point, a, a promise of power. That's the last point in this series that we've been looking at. And we've seen from what Jesus told his disciples that the purpose of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives, in each one of our lives, is to enable us to be witnesses for Christ in our world. To the people who are around us every day single day. There's power in the Holy Spirit for you. Not to be weird or to do strange things, but just to speak confidently and calmly right into their need, right into where they're at. The Holy Spirit will open your eyes to see and to apply healing balm to their wounded soul. They need you. That's why you're there. In that job, in that that place that makes you crawl up the wall, you're needed right there. You're positioned with purpose, and there's power available to you to be specific and to speak right into the heart 
of people that so desperately need the light of the world to step into their darkness. Jesus said to his disciples before leaving, you are the light of the world. We've sung about the light of the world stepping down into our darkness. And Jesus says to each one of us, we are the light of the world to step down into other people's darkness, into the people that are all around us to be a light for him. Amen? There's power of Holy Spirit for each and every one of us to enable us to be witnesses for Christ in our world to the people that are around us every single day. Now, just to briefly recap, last Sunday we looked at the role of a witness and said that witnesses are often called upon in a court of law to provide vital evidence about events that they have seen or regarding things that they have heard. They're not being called into a court of law to argue or to give their point of view or their personal bias about what they have seen. They may get questioned. They may get cross-examined. But they simply have to communicate the truth about what they've seen and about what they've heard as accurately and as truthfully as they can. And that really sums up our work as witnesses for Christ. Just tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's it. It's really simple. Tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth as to who Jesus is and as to what he's done in your life. Just like the blind man that Jesus healed, that the religious, got, religious people got really angry about because Jesus went ahead and did it on the Sabbath and broke every law under the sun. And when they questioned and cross-examined him, the blind man who had been healed simply said, well, listen, I don't know much about what you're talking about, Sabbath and laws and all the rest of it, but I can tell you this, I once was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. And if you can do that, I once was blind. Listen, I haven't got all the, que I haven't got all the answers to life. Far from it. But I know this, once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was living in darkness, once I was bound by sin, once I had no hope in this world, once I was guilt-ridden and fearful and had no peace and was confused. But now, now I live with hope, with peace in my heart, with joy above the circumstances that face me, Christ, Christ's light has come into my darkness and I have life. Simply, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's what we're called to do and that's what we are given power for. When you're talking to your friends, 
it might not seem as if that, that power is present. It really might not. It might seem as if things are awkward. But I'm telling you, the moment, listen, don't mention God. Mention Jesus. The moment you mention the name of Jesus, I tell you something now, the temperature in the room will go through the roof. Devils will leave. Devils will react. I tell you now, that name, woohoo! that name has power on it. It's the name above every name. Hallelujah. God has highly exalted Jesus and given him the name above every name. In heaven, on earth, and even under it, the name of Jesus, when it is spoken in faith from your mouth, I tell you now, wonderful things, exciting things begin to happen in people's lives, and you get to be a part of that. What a joy it is to be a witness of these things. Now, this morning, we're going to look at two men who were disciples of Jesus, who did exactly this. Both Andrew and Ananias used their lives to reach others as they witnessed for Jesus. What I find encouraging about these two men in particular was that they weren't prominent at all. Their personalities wouldn't have been seen as dynamic or charismatic. In fact, when you read about Andrew and Ananias in the Bible, the picture that's portrayed about them is of very ordinary individuals. But that's what I love about Jesus. It's absolutely wonderful. He uses very ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Paul went, ho- Paul went on to say it many years later, He said, God, when he's selecting people, (laughs) uses the most base, the most foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God loves to use the ordinary to, to do extraordinary things for him. Ordinary people just like you and I. Really. It's wonderful. And this is what we find when we Look at Andrew and Ananias. Andrew and Ananias are not really mentioned much in the Bible, but the individuals that they were called to reach were. Andrew reached Peter, and Ananias reached out to Paul. And both Peter and Paul would go on to be the two most prominent leaders in the early church. Imagine that. Two very ordinary men. Two men that weren't charismatic in their personalities, that were just very weak, and in some ways might have been looked upon as foolish. These two men were instrumental in the lives of two men that became the most prominent apostles in the early church, in the New Testament. It was Andrew and Ananias whose lives were largely hidden away in the background that reached out to these two great leaders. Andrew and Ananias, 
might not have been known for their gifts and their talents like Peter and Paul, but through simple obedience, simple obedience and faithful service, these two very ordinary men were vitally important, vitally important in both Peter and Paul's lives. Let's think for a moment about Andrew, one of the first disciples that Jesus called during his earthly ministry. John the Apostle in his gospel recalls that after Andrew had met Jesus, he immediately went to find his brother, Simon Peter. When you read the few lines that John gives us about this, it seems so matter-of-fact when you read it in his gospel. But John recalls Andrew's excitement, his zeal, and his urgency to get to Simon Peter. John shows us how Andrew prioritized finding his brother to introduce him to Jesus. John chapter 1, we see this in verses 41 to 42. It says this, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. There's an urgency this man prioritizes things to get to his brother, Simon Peter, to tell him about his excitement that they had found the Christ. When there's an excitement about Jesus that burns in your heart, there will be a zeal to reach out to those who are around you, in your workplace, in your home, and you know I'm not talking about being some kind of religious nutcase that's out of control. But there'll just be an excitement. People will see it on your face. They'll see it in your actions. And it's not all about words. Now it is important that when we get the opportunity to be able to speak about the hope that we hold in our heart in relation to who Jesus is and the work that he's done in our lives as a witness. We want to be able to do that. But this excitement, this zeal on knowing that we have Jesus in our heart, it'll just spill out in every area of our lives. And this is what we see in Andrew's, Andrew's heart, in his life. An excitement, an urgency, a zeal. He prioritizes everything and focuses everything to get to Simon Peter. He just goes and finds him, tells him about Jesus. We only really get a few small glimpses into Andrew's life in the Gospels. But each time we look at his life, we see that he's extending extending his life to reach others, to be like a bridge for them to walk across to get to Jesus. I was speaking to Andre earlier this week. Where's Andre? Oh, yeah, Andre. 
I tell you what, he's a, he's a fireball, he is. <clears throat> On Wednesday, we were, or Thursday, we were talking, and it was so thrilling for me to hear the excitement of another brother, to hear the excitement in his heart to reach people. And he, Andre was just relaying a story with me. Last Sunday evening, he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, Andre, you've done a good work in reaching out to the people that I've called you to reach out to. Now, I'm going to do the rest. I'm going to do the rest. A simple word, an encouraging word. Andre's been using every opportunity he can in his workplace, out and about in life where he is, to tell others about Jesus as the opportunity arises. Telling people, letting them know about his love for the Savior and his Savior's love for them. Telling them openly, encouraging them. And now the Holy Spirit comes on the back of that and says, Andre, Andre, I'm really pleased with the work that you've done in relation to using your life to reach others. Now, now, I'll take it from here. What, what an exciting word. Who knows what seeds or what those seeds are going to do that have been planted faithfully by him. Who knows? And I was so excited. Do you know what? I was so excited to hear it and so encouraged because just like Andrew reached his brother Peter, Andre's been reaching others in his world in the same way for Christ. Finding opportunity to tell others, bringing them to simple trust in Jesus. And that's what Andrew did with his brother. Just encouraged me. It really did. After Andrew had brought Simon to Jesus, Jesus spoke to Simon. And he identified who he was and also revealed who he would be in the future. Jesus suddenly, as a result of revelation, made sense, made sense of Simon's life. He spoke words of promise and transformation over Simon Peter. And Andrew had a part to play in this great moment in Simon's life. Listen to John chapter 1, verse 42. And he, Andrew, brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, Peter, or Simon Peter, and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. This is a life-defining de moment in Simon Peter's life where God 
where Jesus not only addressed who Simon was right at that present moment before him, but he declared who he would be long down life's road in the future. Suddenly, understanding came. Suddenly, understanding unfolded that Simon Peter wasn't going to always be the person that he had known, that there was life beyond what his history told him about himself. In Peter, in the rock, in the unshakable, Jesus spoke this into being. Jesus revealed this. A new hope, new hope was given to this man. Andrew had a vital role in setting that up. Andrew's never known as a great teacher or preacher or scholar. God never used him to write scripture, but he was a soul winner. He won souls. He won people as he witnessed to them. He was an example and is an example to us of a person that brings people to Jesus one at a time. Personal, relational invitations to people one at a time. You see, Andrew, like I've said, was willing to use his life as a bridge for others to walk through, for others to walk over in order for them to find their plan and purpose in life. He was a blessing to his brother that day. Peter would go far, far beyond Andrew ever would in Christ. He would go further than his brother Andrew. Andrew was one of the 12 disciples chosen to be with Jesus, but Peter was one of the three, one of the three in a circle that spent more time with Jesus. It was Peter that had the revelation, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and was commended for it by Jesus. Andrew didn't have that revelation or wasn't known to have had any kind of revelation as Peter did. Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and saw 3,000 people receive Christ. And then in Acts chapter 4, after preaching, saw another 5,000 men turn to receive Jesus. But Andrew didn't do any of those things. However, he had wonderful traits in his character of just wanting to be a blessing to others. In Andrew, we see somebody who valued people. What a great trait. I mean, that should be celebrated as, as much as any other gift. It really should. That should be elevated as much as any other thing that we should celebrate. Just wanted to be a blessing to others. He valued people.
people. Genuinely, this man wanted people to go further and higher than himself. It was Andrew that paid attention to a little lad who wanted to give his lunch to Jesus. Andrew paid attention to that little boy, and he carried his lunch to Jesus on that little boy's behalf. And as a result of that, Jesus fed 5,000 people. Andrew acted as a go-between, just loved helping, serving, being that go-between between people and Jesus. When the disciples were nearing the end of their time with Jesus, you can read it in the Bible, it was Andrew that Philip, Philip, one of the disciples, came to and asked Andrew to introduce a Greek contingent that wanted to meet Jesus. Andrew took those Greeks and they, and he introduced them to Jesus so that they could have an audience with them. What's the picture? The picture is very simple. This is a man that's using his life as a bridge. This is a man that's willing not to be at the center, but is willing just to connect others. He's a connector. He hasn't got to be up front. He hasn't got to be the one to whom all the attention is given. He's just secure, completely secure and mature in God to know what he's called to do. And what he's called to do is very simple. Value people, connect them, and be a bridge for others to get to Christ. It's wonderful. It really is. Andrew just loved helping others get to Jesus. So that's Andrew. That's Andrew, a man who valued and looked out for people and individuals, who used his life as a bridge to connect the disconnected, to get them to Christ so others could meet their Savior. Now let's move to look as we move on. Let's look at Ananias. Ananias. In Acts chapter 9, we're introduced to a disciple from Damascus, Ananias. And he was even more obscure than Andrew. Again, Andrew, Ananias, like Andrew, wasn't known for being talented or gifted or charismatic, but God called him to reach a man who would become one of the greatest thinkers and church builders this world has ever seen in Paul. Whilst praying one day, God called Ananias to reach out to a man called Saul of Tarsus. I mean, this is some wild story, this is. Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 12 brings us into that moment. Let me read it to you, Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and 
to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Just a little background. When Ananias said, here I am, Lord, he was using a phrase that others had often used throughout the Bible. For instance, Abraham, the great father of faith, had used this very phrase when called to surrender his son Isaac to God, and he obeyed without any question or objection. By saying, here I am, Lord, Ananias was declaring, my life is completely dedicated to do whatever you ask at any given moment without question or without objection. He was saying, Lord, I live solely to hear you and do what you say. I'm your servant, and I surrender to your will above my own. That's the level that this man was at in his spiritual walk with the Lord. And the moment he heard his name called, without knowing the work that God had ahead of him, he answers, here I am, Lord. So, after hearing that response, see, the Lord waits to hear. After he calls our name, after hearing such a heart response, the Lord explains exactly what he wants Ananias to do. Go to Judas's house. Lay your hands on Saul of Tarsus that he might receive his sight. It's absolutely fantastic what happens next because... And, and, and I love it. I, lo I, I love looking at it because it captures the humanness and the weakness and the fears that were in this man, Ananias. The fear was very real to do what God had called him to do. And even though he had promised to do whatever the Lord asked, this was a life and death moment, really, for this man who had been praying. That's how volatile Saul of Tarsus was. Saul of Tarsus had witnessed the stoning of Stephen, that great martyr, that great disciple that loved the Lord. He had witnessed the stoning of Stephen and was in full agreement with it. He had persecuted the early church and had one desire to destroy it and level it to the ground. Saul of Tarsus 
hated, he hated with a vehemence those believers that were following Jesus. He was a volatile man. We hear Ananias' response to the Lord in verse 13 and 14 of Acts chapter 9. He says this, then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. That means he has authority legally to take them to prison, to bind them. And for them to come under punishment. Ananias had heard terrible things about what Saul had done. And suddenly, in that moment, he begins to question the word that God gave to him. But God had chosen Saul. God wasn't going to change his mind. He'd chosen him for a great purpose. Like Ananias, sometimes we may have heard many things about the person across the other side of the room from us. And God wants us to reach out to them. Like Ananias, sometimes we may have heard many things about the person that's living on our street. And those many things that we have heard can become a very real barrier that hinders us reaching out to them. We can object in our own heart and in our own lives and in our own mind before God, just like this man. The many things can be an excuse not to reach out to the person that God once reached. Yet God wouldn't entertain any of Ananias' reasons or have a conversation with him regarding his choice of Saul. Ananias' references to Saul, and we'll read them in a moment, were all past tense. But Jesus had done something incredible in the present immediate in Saul's life as he met him in power on the Damascus Road and changed him. Listen to how the Lord speaks to Ananias about Saul. It was very different to the way that Ananias spoke to the Lord about Saul. There's no reference to his past. All the focus is on what the Lord had called Saul to do in his future, and the plan is incredible. Acts 9, verse 15 to 16. But the Lord said to him, Go. One of God's favorite words, certainly one of Jesus' favorite words, go into. We'll read that a bit later. Go. Don't stay. 
but, but go. It's a favorite God word. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. The next steps that Ananias takes are steps of obedience, faithfulness, and love in his attitude to reach this man. Listen to Acts chapter 9, verse 17 and 18. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, listen, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once, and he rose, arose, and was baptized. What an incredible moment. What an, what, what an incredible end to the day. Meeting God in the morning, praying, just having that time, and then suddenly, by the end of the day, you've been involved in somebody's life that God has an immense plan for. And you've been integral right at the commencement of that man's journey. All of this was happening to Ananias. The name Ananias means whom Jehovah has graciously given. Saul of Tarsus had been stooped in rules and strict religious regulations of the law. And the first person the Lord sends to him was a man graciously given by God, sent by Jehovah, a man of grace. And Saul would have understood that. It would have had an impact. The very name of Ananias would have had a massive impact on this man's life. Ananias accepts him affectionately as a brother, calling him Brother Saul. And after praying for him, there's power available. You see, when you obey, when you obey, when you just simply walk out what God calls you to do, there is power available. Scales fell from that man's eyes. And suddenly now, he's baptized, filled with the Spirit, and he's at the first point of following God and his plan for his life. Ananias was the gift of God's grace to Saul. Do we realize that we can be a gift of God's grace to another person. We can be a blessing to help them in their walk with Jesus. After this incredible day, listen, this is important, I think, personally. After this incredible day, 
in Ananias' life. We never hear anything about him again. Just an ordinary man, not charismatic or highly gifted, blending back into the background to faithfully serve God where he was at in Damascus. But on from here, in almost every chapter after Acts chapter 9, we continually hear about the man Ananias faithfully and obediently reached with his life. Saul, who we know as the Apostle Paul, became a bondservant of Christ. Oh my God, how that man suffered. Oh my God, how that man fiercely, fearlessly took the gospel of Jesus Christ to every nation of the world. They lowered him down over walls in a basket because the whole city had come out against him. They threw him in prison and beat him within inches of his life and they couldn't break him. He got shipwrecked in his desire to get to Rome. They, they, they tried to do everything to, to, to destroy that purpose and that plan. But God used that man to write letters to the church that we still hold as precious today as the living word of God. Ananias was instrumental in the background of this great apostle's life. How about being an Andrew? How about being an Ananias for Jesus? Not thinking, and I know you guys don't think like this, but not thinking about what's in it for me. There's nothing in it for, for you. It's what's in it for somebody else that brings you fulfillment and joy and just seeing them go on their journey and do bigger and better things than you. Andrew and Ananias may have had very little prominence, yet these two very ordinary men were used to reach the two most prominent apostles in the New Testament in Peter and Paul. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said these words, and you know them well as I do. He said to them, go, go. hide. He didn't say hide. Cower away. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So the question left with all of us today is will we be an Andrew? And go and find a friend. Bring them to Jesus. Tell them about him. Bring them 
into God's family, the church? Will we be an Ananias to a person that needs to know their next steps in their way ahead as they try to work out what God's plan and purpose is for their lives? Don't ever despise. Don't ever despise who you are. Or what place you're at in God's house. God's going to do great things through you. At the end of simple obedience is great blessing for others and great fulfillment for us in seeing that blessing bestowed upon them as we faithfully obey. That's exciting. That's thrilling. We, we may never go to the ends of the earth, but the people that we speak to just might. Who knows? As they did for Ananias and Andrew. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. And before we go today, I'm going to pray. Because there's people in all of our lives that Jesus wants to reach through us. Maybe a colleague at your office, a loved one at home. It could be when you're out shopping or you're catching up with your neighbor. And you may have, you may have told them about Jesus. And just be sensitive. You know, just, let's, just be sensitive to him. Because sometimes, you know, Jesus won't want you to speak anymore. You've done that. You haven't got to keep on. No, don't undo the work now that's been done. Just smile. You've told them about Jesus. Now it's time to show them Jesus in your life. And they're going to be, they really are going to be encouraged by what they see because of Christ in you. Because it's no longer you that live, friends. Isn't that wonderful? It's no longer you that live. It's Christ Jesus now that lives in you. And they are going to see behind your life his burning, shining love for them. He, they really are. Might not be. You've said enough. Just be that friend for them. You know, I've many, I've many now. I've many friends, many friends that don't know Jesus. I love it. I love it. They know I love Jesus. They know. I've told them openly, boys, I just want you to know, I love Jesus with all of my heart. The Lord told me to say that one day. He said, this is what I want. He gets very specific with me. He said, I just want you to say this. Say, 
boys, I love Jesus with all of my heart. And I looked in their eyes when I said it. Because I said it with great joy inside. Because I once was blind, but now I can see. And do you know what? They received it. They received it. Now, just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. I'll say what needs to be said if they ask, but I've planted the seed. I'm just like the farmer now, just having a rest, looking forward to it coming up. It's sprouting. And them saying, die. You know, this Jesus thing. Couldn't pray for me, could you? That day's going to come. And I'm telling you now, if the Lord allows it, I will be with these men, my friends, right? My friends, for as long as they need me. But I want every single one of them in the net. Every one of them. I don't want to miss one. I don't want to miss one of them. One of them. And I'm loving the journey every step of the way. What a, what a joy. What an excitement. Will you be an Andrew? Will you be? I mean, we've heard it this morning. What Paul said. Across the room. They prayed the prayer. Prayed the prayer. Next thing. Suddenly, God starts to maneuver things. It was impossible, impossible for Paul not to meet that man. Impossible. Even after he left the room, he came back. Why? Because people prayed. Paul was ready, waiting, watching. And suddenly now, there's a man who's had a really tough time, lost his wife, lost his wife, hard heavy, gone through a real grieving process. Man now, who, a laborer that God has sent into his life. He's going to go to Israel. They're going to, I tell you what, I've been to Israel. They're going to have the time of their life. They're going to have the time of their life. This man, God's heard the cry of his heart. He sent Paul. How incredible is that? How, is, how exciting to use your life as a bridge, to be a connector, for life not to be any more about you, but to be an expression of Christ through you to others. Oh, this is a joy. It really is. I'm going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord. We're going to ask the Lord, that's all. don't have to be pressured this morning in any way at all. None at all. Just let it happen before you. You don't have to go, you know, out of this building with your six-shooter. Right. Let's hit as many with the gospel as we can. <laughs> you liked that, didn't you? <laughs> Let's hit as many. 
You turn up with a machine gun. Oh, he's getting it. No. No pressure. This is going to happen. Joy. People are going to see it. Going to love it. Hallelujah. The glory of God is all over you. It's all over you. It's impossible to hide it. It's in your eyes. It's through your words. It's in what you do. It's on your features because Christ is in you. Just like James so wonderfully said this morning as he brought us into this service, the glory of God is all over you, church. And now we go into our world and we're going to win them. Right, better pray. Lord, I, I, I thank you for your wonderful, wonderful people, your church. Lord, you've chosen us to be witnesses to you. What a joy it is to just walk through this broken world and to be the light of the world that you've called us to be. We're not going to deliver any empty words just to make us feel better. But Lord, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit working inside us, setting things up so that we can reach people who are broken, not just with glib, empty answers, but Lord, go in the extra mile to be with them, to listen to them, to gently, gently speak to them and to get on their journey and to be a blessing. We pray, Lord, we would be like Andrew. Firstly, seeing you. Give us another or a deeper revelation of you first, Jesus. Open our eyes let us see you as Andrew saw you and then with zeal and excitement and enthusiasm. We run to tell others with an urgency and a love for them. Lord, let us be like Ananias, even going into the world of those that have many things against them. Going into the world of those who have many barriers in front of them. And use us like you used him. And maybe these people that we reach will do extraordinary things. And we'll just be able to look on and say, thank you, Jesus. I was instrumental in that person's life. My life was used as a bridge for them to cross to you. And now look what you're doing with them. God, we thank you for this, this wonderful, wonderful, glorious commission. Oh, hallelujah. It's not a task or a labor to us. The words from your mouth go into all the world are a joy to hear. They're a joy for us to carry. And for us to walk out every day, wherever we are, with the people that we meet, use us, we pray, in the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus.
to save souls and to introduce them to our best friend, Jesus. We ask you this. And all God's people said, Amen. So be it done unto me. 